So I keep having dreams that alternate realities is back. Sometimes it never left. It was always there. Other times I bring it back. I was telling you guys uh, just the other day, I had a dream that uh, the store never left. It was still at 700 Central Park Avenue. Steve, you were running it kind of the way you run the warehouse. Like it wasn't open for business. You didn't have regular hours. You weren't ordering new stock. Um, but that was just where you stored everything. And if someone came by and you happened to be there, you'd let them in and you'd sell them something. Okay. So the store was still I like there. that. You like that? Maybe that's what we should do from now on. Somebody comes by. Read the sign on the door. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the most recent dream I had. And then a little earlier in the month, I had a dream that I brought the store back. I rented a space. It was either on Central Avenue where Venetian Delight is or on East Hartsdale Avenue. It was, it was like a mixture mm-hmm. of those two spaces. I rented a vacant storefront, and it was next door to a uh, Bangladesh restaurant. <laughs> Bangladesh? What's the correct uh, terminology? Indian. Indian, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this was very specific. It was Bangladesh. I'm telling you. <laughs> but so I, I got there, and I didn't have the key to the store yet. Odo had it for some reason, even though it was a new, like it was, it was a new location. <laughs> Steve had it. <laughs> Steve had the key. He wasn't the landlord, but he just, he had the key. And so I got there, and I couldn't get in yet. I think it was raining outside, and the the Bangladesh restaurant owners, like somehow the, the space is connected, so they were inside the, the vacant comic shop space, and they wouldn't let me in. And I was like, no, like I'm the new tenant, like this is going to be my store, you got to let me in. Finally, they let me in, and I was sitting in there waiting for Steve. Now, for listeners who aren't aware, Steve drives notoriously slow. <laughs> like true. he's known for this. Speed limits. I, I follow the speed limit. I, I obey the law. I, Don't I res- be a flat squirrel. I used to res- I used to respect the law and believe in it. Not anymore. Mm. Well, we'll get back. We'll get to that later. Okay. But and then randomly, uh, Andy Sadomasochist showed up. Whoa! Now Andy was a customer of ours at Alternate Realities, a guy we liked very much. He went to the Yale School of Management, and whenever he would order something, Steve would write down Andy S O M S O M, standing for School of Management. But we didn't realize that at the beginning. So we were like, like, what is this, sadomasochist? So he became Andy Sato. <laughs> Great guy. Great guy. But anyway, he randomly came by, not looking for a comic shop. I think he was just there. Uh, and then I think eventually you came. I don't know. And then that was kind of it. I mean, there was no great payoff to the, to the dream. But I, I continue to, to have these, these dreams that the store is back. What do you think that means? I think you're going to be opening uh, AR 8.0. Why are we on 8? Well, I, the way I always looked at it was it, it started with the original oh, we don't three. need to go through the, the <laughs> iterations of ownerships. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, but, you're right. But, you know, eight, 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 eight is between, probably right. The, between the different owners, the changes of, of, uh, of power, and, um, you know, I guess uh, I think of the warehouse space as a 7.5 because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's there, and it would be run the way you talk about it because I do meet customers at the, at the warehouse, and they buy stuff from me when they come by or when we arrange to meet. So uh, AR is not really dead. But I imagine that if it's ever going to start up, it could be you. Because you seem to have these dreams over and over again. Mm-hmm. And again, your mother will kill me mm-hmm. if it happens. But um, I'll help yeah. you. You'll help, me, you'll help me, Bill? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when I saw you uh, just the other day, you told me. You were, one of the first things you said to me was, hey, you got to open the store again. You got to open the store again. And let's face it, Rich is going to retire in, what, two years or so? Rich will help. Yeah. There you go. We can get him to move back to Westchester. He'll be the, the old man sitting in the corner reading comic books. You need one of those at every store. I'll help you sell on Amazon. There you go. Set. Well, that's it. That's it. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> new announcement. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs>
welcome to the My Comic Shop History New Year Special. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Now, I know I said in the finale that we weren't doing holiday specials this year, but I just couldn't help myself. And when you hear the guests that I have lined up for today, I think you'll understand why. It is a full podcast table of all-stars today. To my left, fresh off his surprise appearance in the My Comic Shop History season finale, it's the legendary former owner of Alternate Realities, Stephen K. Odo. Hello. Hello. <laughs> he hasn't let me out of the house <laughs> since our last podcast. I've been trapped here. He's been here since the finale. We've been banking up all kinds of episodes. Just you wait. <laughs> to my right... He is chemist by day, shirt maker by night. He is true alternate realities royalty, no doubt. Dr. Bill Mayo. Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me to this. Oh, thank you for being here. And across from me, this is special in all seriousness, our guest of honor, the wayward son of alternate realities. You know, when we talk about the friendship and fun of the AR community, uh, Nick Robeson was as much a part of that as anybody. And then about five years ago, Nick left. First, he moved to Australia. Now he lives in Seattle. But he's back here for a visit. Um, this is literally the first time we've seen him in about half a decade. So please welcome to the show, making his My Comic Shop History debut, Nick Robeson. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, we're so happy to have you here, Absolutely. truly. So Nick Robeson, a.k.a. Roby, your most common nickname. Yes. Um, there's also another lesser known one that I came up with. It didn't really, it didn't really uh, have legs, but I, I'm fond of it. Robadiah. Robodiah. Oh, yeah. That, that oh, was, I don't remember that. I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah, that was... Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, around the time of the Iron Man movie with Obadiah Stone. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, Robodiah. Okay. <laughs> well, it was always Roby and Obi. Yes. And... Uh, would you want to explain? Well, it was... There was two magic players, right? Nick. We called him Roby. And I don't even remember... Uh, Adam. Adam. Adam Wallach, right? Yes. Yeah. It was Obi. Yep. Um, and actually, I saw him a couple days ago. Oh, how's but yeah, he doing? Uh, do you remember why we called him Obi? I, I, I assume don't. because of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, but there was a specific reason, which was um, back then, um, when I think it was around, uh, when did episode one, I don't know. But they, basically they had the uh, the young Obi-Wan Kenobi doll, and the this like plush doll had very beady like eyes. eyes. Yeah, he had the eye. Yeah. And so we, mm-hmm. they basically we called him Obi because he looked like that doll. And it just stuck, and it was Roby and Obi. So I want to, you know, I want to get into your comic shop history, your experience with alternate realities, because it's funny when Odo was on the season finale, he was like, you know, what more do we have to say about alternate realities? And I said to myself, challenge accepted, because I, I agree. Like, I think we, we probably among the three of us, at least, yeah. we, we probably have exhausted uh, most of the stories from the AR lore. But I thought it would be interesting to get the perspective of someone who is in this as much as anyone uh, and who left and, and watched the closing of the store from afar. Um, but, you know, before we get into the closing and all that, like I said, I do want to talk about your comic shop history, Roby. Sure. So, I mean, how did you first become involved with alternate realities? What brought you there in the first place? How old were you? Um, so it was definitely through my dad. Uh, Steve and my father um, worked in the same law firm together for a while. Yeah, um, Odo's uh, secret origin as an attorney prior to opening the store, as we've touched on in past not, episodes. Not so secret. <laughs> and well, you know, we're trying to have a little fun here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so... Uh, when Steve decided to open a store, I, I forget how my dad heard about. It. Maybe you told him. I, I he he never told me. But essentially, what, what I must have been what very young. You're I mean, you're very young because your brother came to the store first. He was yeah. He used to build the Gundam models. Yeah, and then um, you came along and and you yeah. really went crazy with that stuff. I did. Um, and then I remember I used to collect basketball cards too. I remember one time you gave me a free pack and said, you know, I'll give you this pack if you you know be a good boy. And I said yes. Give me the give me this uh, NBA pack, please. Um, and just, you know, I was never that good of a kid, but still, um, but, um, 
Yeah, it was through my father originally. And then, yeah, my, my brother, who back then I kind of like imitated everything he did. So he liked Gundam. I liked Gundam. He liked, you know, Ninja Scroll and all that stuff. And uh, I followed suit. But um, Sorry, you used to be really into the anime. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. To some degree, I still am a little bit, but definitely not, not as hard as back oh. then and in the old days. But um, yeah, so it was really through my uh, through my father, and then eventually, um, I think I kind of I feel like I forced myself <laughs> into the scene. I was just like, I'm just gonna come in and hang out for like you know an hour or so, and then eventually, you know, Magic the Gathering, uh, our Friday Night Magics, um, started happening around 2001, and that's when I really kind of just, you know, I think my dad was like, you know, he left me there for my own devices. He said, you know, go and. Leave us alone. Yeah, you were um, part of the AR babysitting service that I ran. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I, I like to think that your father trusted us enough to know that you could, oh, yeah. he could leave you there and come back in like six hours and you'd still be there. Oh, totally. <laughs> so. You know, eventually, yeah, eventually, like, you know, if he trusted me, like, you know, I would go to uh, tournaments, like, you know, in New Jersey with like Haymont uh, and, you know, and Jay and people like that. Uh, and they would drive me. And of course, dad, you know, my dad would have to meet them first. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, it just kind of happened. I ended up just kind of just constantly going to the store and then you know every like eventually i get to you know be there for you know hours on end just running the, eventually when you i think when you moved on uh, wherever you you know you went i was yeah, when bill's uh journey took him elsewhere yeah right. i went down to baltimore I, I started doing the magic scene uh i remember when casey was first running it and then like Kate, <laughs> then Kate. Uh, matt casey beloved oh yes member of the uh, alternate reality staff and uh yeah i mean eventually i was you know kind of semi running the magic tournaments and um I remember sometimes being a little too honest with like the trades and be like, no, 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 that's, you know, I don't want to rip you off. And think of Steve's like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> I actually, you know, I actually remember the one incident I remember was uh, that girl who brought in like a, a monster box. What was it about the, oh, Jesus. what, 1,200, 1,600 cards? Yeah, something like that. And I don't know magic. I mean, they all look the same to me, but mm-hmm. I realized it had some value. But apparently his, she had broken up with the boyfriend and the boyfriend was gone and she said, I'm going to get rid of these cards. So she brought it in with this new boyfriend, I guess. Uh, we kind of zipped through it, and I realized it had value, but there was always that danger that that Roby would be standing there when we made an offer. She says, "You you got to offer more than that." Or uh, well, I, like, I had a know. bad I had a very bad poker face. Yeah, you, t- <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, Roby was notorious yeah. for not having a poker face. He's an honest kid. Um, and that was great when we used to play poker <laughs> because uh, you know, your eyes would just bulge when you had a good hand it's like everybody folds <laughs> yeah I know but so you know you got involved with the store through all these other things which I think is interesting right like anime magic gun, like all this other stuff not comics, not comics. yeah and I know in, in the years to come, you would dabble in comics. You had your pull list and you would get some stuff. I know Green Lantern yes. you were a fan of, right? Yes, but never like my... a huge comic book guy. No, not really. No, it was just uh, I, liked, I liked being in the store, liked hanging around people, you know, started you know, befriending people, you know, uh, meeting like all the different customers and talking to them and, you know, talking to Jeff Wong every now and then. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Wong, I mean, I don't know if you want to. If, if people know him. Everybody well, knows they, Jeff Wong. Well, Ro, I mean, you know, because you've listened to all the episodes of this, right? So, you know, we've talked about him. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no poker face. No poker face. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, my favorite, my favorite, I remember my favorite, one of my, like, most memorable moments for me for the store was the first time I went out to have dinner with everybody at Pizza, uh, at pizza and Brew. And it was, it was me. I think you were there. I was always there for Pizza um, and Brew. And uh, Casey, Steve, um, and a few other people. I think even maybe Brandon was there. I'm not, I'm not even sure. 
But our pizza and brew crowd used to be pushing ten to fifteen people. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a bunch yeah. of people. It was a big. I remember it was a big table. It was the first time I went. I was a little nervous to you know to be honest. You know, I was what I was thirteen, fourteen, I think at the time, um, and I had all these encounters with Jeff Wong in the past. And I remember like it would start off harmless enough, um, and I just remember talking to him about Gundam models, and I was like, oh yeah, I have. And this is when I got when I was really, you know, big into Gundam. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I have this, you know, this perfect grade I just made. It's the Gundam Wing, uh, you know, custom, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it's really big. It's a 160 model size. And he goes, oh, no, that's, you know, he's like, oh, that's cool. You know, I have, um, <laughs> he's like, oh, I have, um, mm, like for real Gundam? I have, I have, a, I have a life-size Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> in, in my backyard. <laughs> and, and so, and, you know, me being like 13, 14, I'm kind of like, huh. Wow, that's a that that sounds unlikely, but I guess and just I remember talking to him constantly. And once again, it starts off harmless. I have like there's something I built or something I did, but he always had like the better thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so at Pizza and Brew, it's my first time, and I remember the the uh, maybe Jeff Wong came to the store that day. I don't know, but you, someone mentioned Jeff Wong, and me being 13, 14 years old, I was like, oh, uh, you mean uh, Jeff Wong? Yeah, I think that guy lies a lot. <laughs> and One I just, of the greatest you know, understatements of all time. You know, I, 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 again, that's we've, another we've, line. We've talked about that. Yeah, that that's line. another line that I haven't thought about in all yeah. these years. But the, boy, it just comes flashing back yeah. to you. You know, it's like, wow, that was a great line. It's a classic <laughs> line from the stores. Yeah. and I think it just points to like the pure innocent spirit of Roby. Like he was just like, I, guys, I think he lies a lot. I don't think he's being honest. <laughs> And I just remember Casey had to take off. Take, Casey had to take off his glasses, and it's like he's, his head's on like the floor, like he's the, laughing at the so table. Hard. He's crying. I think you were pretty like done too. And I was like, here's, I'm just like, what, what, what did I say? <laughs> like, what? and I'm just like, what did I do? But yeah, uh, that was that was my first really memorable experience. Um, that and that also that was the same time, smaller, not as legendary, I guess. But the um, I forget his name. I think Carl. And he's just like, I want my ZD. I want my ZD. <laughs> and he's like, he was like really drunk off margaritas. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, no, I want the Z. Like, I want my ZD right now. And he's like hitting the table. Okay. But um, aside from that, you know, Jeff Wong, of course. Um, that was uh, my first time going out. And that was, I guess, that line. Certainly what I remember about those dinners is laughing so hard my head would hurt by the end of the night. <laughs> I know. Poor Bill's been, been chasing that. I I've know, been like, chasing it you, for years. I've, I've mentioned that many times. I know. And most recently, I know, you know, you came into town for the holidays mm-hmm. and a few of us hung out the other day at Oh Yeah Comics. Yep. And you said on a couple of occasions, like, ah, this is all I like. I just want to hang out at a comic shop and yep. tell stories about alternate realities. I want to ask, and I don't say this in any kind of negative way or anything like that, but, you know, I, I know, have like, a friend. Hmm? I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? No, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> No, but like hanging around and like telling the old stories, like that's something you still enjoy and you still want to do. Is do you ever feel any danger of like just like living in the past? I think I live in the past. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You just see all those GI Joe things that he bought, the yeah. 80s GI Joe toys. Yeah. I'm living in the past. Yeah. Recently, so. Yeah. Well, there's that line from Great Gatsby, right? It's like you can't live in the past, you can't recreate the past, and Gatsby says, "Well, of course you can." So I'm doing you. my best. There you go. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we always do have a great time uh, oh, reminiscing about, I, but I, about know, the store. That was the best time of my life. And, you know, being with you guys, it's, it's the closest I can get to it. 
Yeah, well, you know, and Steve and I have discussed this. Um, you know, there were a number of people in my comic shop documentary uh, who talked about how much the store meant to them. And chief among them was Roby. I remember during the closing montage, Ro- Roby said, you know, I don't think I've had an experience that's meant more to me uh, than alternate realities. And again, you know, talking about how you got involved with the store and, you know, yeah, you would be there whether it was running magic. That was more before my time. But in the time that I was there, you know, you'd always be there hanging out, uh, helping out, ringing up someone behind the counter, coming out to dinner, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was trying to think of, of the things that I remembered uh, most specifically about Roby and his time at the store. Uh, Roby, do you remember when we went to the barbecue of uh, one of our one of our customers, Curtis? Yes, I, yes I, that's one of my that's one of the, one of my very favorite memories too. Yeah, it's it's a great thing. So we had this customer, Curtis Curtis K, uh, number nine twelve, I think. Boy, you, your memory's very good. Yeah, nine twelve. Uh, he's in the documentary. He's one of the guys with the man cave, uh, and he hosted a couple of barbecues. The long hair, long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he hosted a couple of barbecues. Steve, you and I went to the first one. And then uh, he hosted another one, and Roby, you and I went, and that's when I actually filmed him uh, for my comic shop documentary. Yeah. What stands out to you about that evening? <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I'm assuming you're going for the uh, the piano jam session, probably? That's actually not... Oh, although oh. that stands out to me, too. I do remember that quite well, which I enjoyed a lot. Me getting really drunk? I don't know. <laughs> well, you, well <laughs> I don't know that you necessarily... I hope you weren't that drunk because you wasn't. drove. No, yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a, not. No, I had, I, was under, I had a nice buzz, but it was, not, it was under the limit. Okay. <laughs> to, to, all, to all the law enforcement... Uh, Curtis got drunk, huh? Curtis, Curtis, Curtis got, got drunk. Well, he's walking around oh, the documentary he, with a beer. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was it. pounding those cans of Keystone Light from the moment we got there. Did he eventually, like, just gone and we were like okay we're gonna let her like like i forget like, i remember of... holding him up yes and he's Whoa. a big guy oh, i didn't know that i and then we yeah. sat him down in in one of the room like he had two man caves right yes. and i remember we sat him down in one of the rooms lights off air conditioner on and we were just like okay bye yeah <laughs> like, <we just> <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time you saw him no, we saw oh. him. No, we saw oh him. My God. <laughs> oh my God. That was the last time anyone saw him. <laughs> yeah. I ran into his wife um, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? How's she doing? Oh, no, she's fine. Yeah, I guess she uh, she works for one of those animal shelters for yeah, adoptions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was at the county center when they had those uh, pet adoption thing going on. We were looking for a dog. So I was walking around and she was sitting there with a, uh, what was it, Siberian Husky or something like that. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, because Curtis basically just quit cold turkey. He did, yeah. Which is amazing for the amount of money he spent yeah. and uh, the, the quality of the stuff that he owned. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who's who's seen that segment in the movie, I mean, it was, it, I don't know, I guess still is. I don't know if he sold stuff, but it was quite the collection. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, statues in particular. Like, bagged comics that you can, like, like, like a store. Yeah, like a yeah, store. Exactly. I remember that image. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we had a good time at that barbecue. He he made some killer wings, I think. And the burger, the with, burger. The, uh, oh, with, with the, the bacon and yeah, cheese bacon inside. Cheese inside, yeah. Um, and he didn't. He also he had a, uh, a corgi who was like 15 years old and like going, um, like unfortunately going blind. But um, I remember because I if someone has a corgi, I'm gonna remember because um, I just you know I love corgis. And um, for those who don't know, uh, you're the queen of England. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, I, I had a I had a corgi. Um, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, she you know she passed away. But you know she was 15 at the time, so. But yeah, no, so I, I have, you know, we have a fondness for corgis, and eventually, once, you know, my parents decide to finally retire, they're actually going to probably get another one. Oh, nice. But um, yeah, so, no, that was really cool. And then, yeah, that was, um, that was an interesting time for me. That was the summer... Um, 2010. Yeah, that was the summer, if you guys remember Ashley. Sure. Uh, that's when uh, Ashley broke up with me. 
So that jam session was kind of cathartic <laughs> in a way. Um, there I was had a, a song you performed. I mean, we, we won't. We don't need to. No, no, know, no. We won't. We won't, say, we won't. We won't say the title. Um, but yeah, no. Essentially, uh, my friend uh, Dan Maraldi, a college friend who um, he's uh, he's a you know doing fairly well for himself. He's a musician uh, in New York right now. And um, no, he made a song back in college that I remember. It's a very easy song to play on the guitar, let alone piano. And um, yeah, it was like a kind of like a breakup song. So yeah, that night, you know, had a couple beers and, and Curtis had a couple more, a couple more. And uh, yeah, he kind of, we did an impromptu jam session and I was singing horribly. I'm an awful singer, but uh, Curtis was doing backup vocals and uh, no, it was really, that was really nice. And then, of course, that went on the documentary, too. That was in the original cut. It I didn't make it that. into the final version. Oh, okay, good. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I saw the I'm original actually, cut. I don't remember that I'm at all. I'm actually glad. <laughs> yeah. It was a very catchy song, though. Yes. But uh, um, well, so just one quick thing, since you mentioned Ashley. One of the other stories that I always think of when I think of Roby. If oh, you no. want me to cut this, I'll cut it. But, okay. Uh, so she was from Kentucky. And yes. I remember after the relationship ended, uh, Nick came into the store one day. It's so weird to call him Nick. Roby came into the store one day. And he was like looking for distractions. And of course, my go-to is always television. Like, you're down? I'll, I'll give you a show to watch. So I was like, you should try Justified, the Timothy <laughs> Oliphant show on FX. And Roby's like, oh, great. What's it about? <laughs> and I, I, I did, just did not make the connection at all. I was like, it's such a great show. I'm like, Timothy Oliphant, he plays this U.S. Marshal in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> and again, no poker face. This guy's face dropped. <laughs> And I, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really, to the, I still feel bad about that. I, you know, I, I didn't want to. I really, I was trying to do the opposite. I was trying to distract you, give you something else to, to think about, and I failed. Did yeah. you, did you ever watch? Uh, no. Just a, <laughs> no. I, it, it really is a great show. Yeah, I mean, considering yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm definitely that. <laughs> maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> I think so it, was, it was, it was, another a few years, and I'm going to check yeah. it out. It was a TV classic. Still, <laughs> still hurts that cut. <laughs> now, there's another story. Uh, before we started recording, uh, Bill was not here for this, and I can only remember a couple of the details. But I think you might have this one, Steve. What? Do you remember an instance where Roby uh, was behind the counter and he had an open can of soda? in front of the <laughs> register where the drawer pops out. Do you remember no, this? Actually, I don't remember that. I, I remember this. You do? Yes. What happened? Uh, well. I mean, what? I guess what we well, assume. We all yeah, happened. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't remember how I handled it, aside from probably not keeping my cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was ringing someone up, and for those who don't know, uh, there's like a wooden box, there was a wooden, like, box or platform that the register was on, and, um essentially but there's a little spot right before the the thing opens where there's like a little space so i put my diet coke can that was like pretty much full right in front of the cash uh, register the and I'm drawer just, the, the drawer and i'm just yeah. ringing someone up and then hit <laughs> <laughs> the button and suddenly just <laughs> comes down just like crashes on the ground and um maybe i maybe i blacked out out of like fear but i don't like i don't recall how i handled it i don't know if anthony if you remember i don't i just i but i feel like people knew what was going to happen and the idea was like let's see like let's see oh. what happens <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of mishaps yes I don't know, Steve. I don't know if you know this, and I don't know know if I want to know this. I don't know if you want to know this (laughs) This either. But uh, you know, Roby would help us out on Wednesdays, sometimes breaking down the shipment. Well, 
Yeah, I, I remember. Right. I, I remember a Roby incident with a Darth Vader bust. I, I was, was going to mention that. I was Is that what you're leading that. up to? How Roby would break the statues when he would inspect. Whoa, them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a minute. No, hold, okay. no, hold look, on. You got to preface, preface. Yeah, we ordered a lot of product, including statues. We didn't just order one. We would order like six or ten or something of a particular statue. And Gentle Giant had, and they still do produce uh, Star Wars mini bus as well as full size statues. But you know, they they come sealed. You have to. They're taped. The two styrofoam halves are taped together. Um, you have to cut it open, inspect it to make sure there's no damage, and we report out any damages or, or broken things, or whatever. And uh, so Roby <laughs> took out a. It was a Darth Vader statue, mini bust, and he takes it out, and it's, it's about the size of uh, what would we say, a large uh, grapefruit, sure, maybe. And uh, for some reason, he starts tossing it in the air like it's a hot potato. No. <laughs> that is that is not what happened. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's what happened in your that, in your that's mind. What it looked like from my angle. <laughs> no, well, it's, like, it's like one hand to the next hand. It's like mix it, like, the record straight over here. So <laughs> no, what happened was, um, I was pulling it out of the styrofoam and it was kind of like stuck a little bit. And I remember when I pulled it out, I like I kind of just like lost and kind of like a football player does every now and then. You fumbled. I, I fumbled, <laughs> and for me, it was in like slow motion. Apparently, like, and I just remember like. It's like it's like in the air, and I'm like trying to save it, and then like ironically, it's Darth Vader statue because I'm like no, and it like, and I remember it just falls. The head, I think the head got decapitated. (laughs) He got decapitated, and I just remember going, um, I don't know if you're able to curse, but basically, you know, I I was like shit, and then I remember Casey was right next to me, and then that got your attention. I I think, I mean, you were like. I I don't think you. I I, I was knew. watching it in the air. <laughs> Hold on, because I'm well. Casey didn't. I guess see you watching because I remember Casey good. Roby, sh- like, like shut the f up. Like, like if you didn't say anything, he probably wouldn't have noticed, and you could have just called called reported a damage. <laughs> Damaged. <laughs> well, you probably still did. Oh, yeah. probably. <laughs> G- By the way, Gentle Giant's gonna bill you for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the funny thing is that. Uh, T- today, because they're hard, you know, not that they're hard to find, but uh, because it's an out of print item, out of product item, um, I could probably put that on eBay with broken head and still sell it for more than it would, it would retail oh, yeah. for. But I did not break that many statues. No, no, no. I just remember, you know, Vader flying from one hand to the other and saying, holy moly. I was not and doing it. Was, you're right. It was slow motion to watch that because it's like flip, 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 and then crash, you know. And it was, <laughs> was it the force choke Vader? Or was no, it the one with was, the lightsaber? Uh, it was. I think it was like the yeah. lightsaber, and he had like a little like metal chain that yeah, was like separate. Yeah. That's a nice one. Um, <laughs> we ordered like ten of them. I remember. Yeah, it's it's just, well, you know, well, you know how many statues we've had and how yeah. many were broken. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like uh, some of those packaging, like I mean, especially like the ones yeah. with very um, flimsy joints. Yeah. I mean, some of them are were well, not General Giant so much. They're they're pretty good, but some of the other statue companies they're terrible at the way they uh, the, the way they manufacture the stuff. You can buy these bookends that just they come damaged. Yeah. Every sing, every time I reordered it for Oleg, I had to reorder the same oh, thing yeah. over and what over. Was Oleg? Again. Oh, stop! We've talked about Oleg before. We have talked about Oleg, a yeah. Russian Star Wars collector who buys pretty much everything Star Wars. And yeah. even two years, two and a half years after the stores closed, I still yeah. order stuff for him and, and meet with him every couple of months. Bill, wow. you went with Steve recently, just the other day. <laughs> yeah, with I saw, Oleg. I saw Oleg. Did he recognize you? He did not recognize me. No. I was like, "Hey, Oleg." He's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> I maintain, and we were talking about this before we started recording. I maintain Oleg knows Steve. He has a relationship with Steve. He gives Steve his orders. He pays Steve. He knows who Odo is. But any of the rest of us, no matter how many times he saw us behind the counter, like I don't think we ever registered to him. I think we're just like a pair of hands mm-hmm. giving him a Star Wars toy. 
No tax. And yes, he would not pay tax. God help the poor soul who once tried to charge him tax. Right? Who was that? Tom. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so Roby didn't have the best luck with, with statues. Yeah, we still kept having him check the statues. <laughs> no, eventually I think we stopped. <laughs> I was telling Steve the other day, my first job at Alternate Realities was to check the, uh, the Gog statues from Kingdom Come. That's a, he must have had a lot of faith in you if that's I your don't first know why, task. But that was my first task on I, a Wednesday. It's not that I have faith in people, it's just I hate doing it. Mm. Yeah, it is a pain. So, yeah, I'd rather let somebody else do it. I remember do doing it. it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. They look okay. <laughs> There's, I have, uh, behind me, it's, it's in the box, but uh, the cover girls of the DC Universe, the Wonder Woman statue, the full-size statue, that lasso, I remember unpacking it at the store, and each time when I've packed it and unpacked it at home, it's like I'm always nervous about it because it's so delicate, mm-hmm. that lasso. So I know the statues are tough. So in your defense, Roby, I know it's, well, no, I'm being sincere. Like, I know it's a tough thing. I didn't break that many. <laughs> I mean, it was more than one. <laughs> Wait a minute. If you, I mean, probably. I broke a statue, too, one time. I was yeah, rearr- it happens. I was rearranging the uh, statue showcase, and I forgot which. It was a Buffy-related uh, one, I think. Spike, maybe. He had a sword. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, rotating it in such a way, and I closed the uh, glass door. And it snapped a sword right off. I'm like, whoop. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, but again, some of them are very poorly made. There was that uh, Wolverine, where he's got the claws sticking out, the yeah. l- half a, half a, you know, half body bust. And because the padding on the, bo- the base is so poor, that it leans forward no matter what. You have to actually put a piece of cardboard in the to front of it him. to support yeah. it up. So eventually it just fell down and crashed. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen it on, uh, I guess it was a picture on Facebook of another store where... The whole showcase crashed. Yes, yeah, the, the whole shelf came down. And everything was piled in, in one big pile that they found when they came in in the morning. Yeah, you just walk away at that yeah. point. You don't, you're just much. like whatever. No, you take pictures and put it on Facebook because what else can you do with it? <laughs> That's now? right. It has no other exactly. value. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Facebook, what a great segue. <coughs> We've talked about this in a past episode, but now we we can finally discuss it with you, Roby. Do you remember that time when? Uh, we got into your Facebook profile and made you a hardcore John McCain supporter. <laughs> nice. I do remember that. You were, I gotta say, and this, I mean, and I mean this in all sincerity, uh, you are one of my favorite people from the store, honestly. And it's such such a good hearted person. You, he was such a good sport with that. Like if someone did that to me, I would have been pissed, but yeah. he like took it all in such stride. But it was amazing. And again, like no poker face. We got so lucky that he just happened to be passing by the store and he stopped and he's like, oh, I'll check Facebook. And we got to see his reaction live as he saw his his modified Facebook page. With the John McCain uh, image. And, and the change of your political... Yeah, no, they, they, made me a hard, they made me a hardcore Republican. Um, so wonderful. And, and you, you guys printed out a screenshot of that and put it in the bathroom. Yeah. I, I, I have that. I still, say, still I saved that. it. Yeah. Wow. You should frame it like I framed the Jeff Wong yeah. placemat for Bill. I have Bill. that in my bathroom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you were a very good sport. Well, because you used to have intense political debates. Oh, what was his name? With, with Keith, this it? customer in the store. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't like that. I didn't think that was really the place to discuss for politics. that. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's what the environment well, was. Steve and I were, I think, I think Steve um, allowed it more because, you know, he, we, we tend to agree <laughs> a lot on that. And I'm, a, I'm a Republican. <laughs> uh-huh, okay. Um, and no, but it was Keith, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 No, but I know he, who you're, he, he was. He's very conservative. I know who you're. I know. I know the Keith you're talking about, and I'm. I'm sure you did have debates with him. But yeah. there was somebody else who I remember you sitting at the long table, and it was like right in the entrance of the store, 
and you guys were sitting on either side of the table and it wasn't it was somebody else i can't remember who it was though oh, do you know who i'm talking about i think i think i remember um i can't it was yeah well okay so for context for people when this time frame was this was like the summer before the election in 2008 I'm pretty sure it was. Well, McCain. Yeah, and, uh, I mean that. Tr- I think Palin. that's when it was. Palin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2000. That was 2008. Yeah. And I was actually um, so I went to college in Ohio in a small town called Worcester, which is an hour south of Cleveland. Um, Worcester. W- Worcester. Now I know it's yes. Worcester. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, it, it is spelled W-O-S-T-E-R, but whatever. Um, so I just it was I was campaigning in Ohio a lot. I was like you know full in you know we had eight years of Bush and I was just like fed up with it so i was like hardcore young republican hmm? yeah right um <laughs> well, we i were actually done with him, he was you should have you would have enjoyed not you probably wouldn't have enjoyed it because you, you don't like it but um did i ever tell you that um the, the head of the republican party in my in my college his name was is actually joseph mccarthy <laughs> um and of course i always thought well you know the background you know his family's background then they had full knowledge of their last name and they're like we shall call you joseph but anyway i was just yeah i was very into it and um and then 2008 happened, and then eight years happened, and then I just kind of got really jaded. But yeah, I was really into it because I was like, we're going to make change. Everything's going to, you know, we're going to, like, we have to have, make this happen. Surely, once we have, like, you know, majority and, like, everywhere, you know, it'll work. And um, yeah, it was, um, and then I got jaded because politics. Well, perspectives change. I mean, I think we've touched on this before with Steve. I mean, you used to be very conservative in your younger days. My younger days, yeah. Yeah, and you've you've completely shifted. No, I'm still conservative. I mean, Pat and I talk, but you know, Pat is a very our our friend, Pat. Yeah, Stonegate Wine and Spirits, yeah, one of he, our podcast he's, sponsors. He's, a, he's a very conservative guy, and he always, you know, when we do stuff together, he always he always says to me, you know, you're more conservative than you think, and oh, he's right. I, under, I I know the part of me that's very conservative, mm. but um, I guess that's just. Uh, I think what can I say? Facebook is just just makes me angry all the time, and not, since I can't not share my opinions about stuff, I have to comment, and that's where I waste half of my day. I gotta say, so you guys are aware, I, I've taken a sabbatical from social media over this past month of December. I needed a break, and it was it's been great. You guys have all seen Spider Man Two, right? The Tobey Maguire yeah. one. I've been like I've been like Peter Parker from Spider Man Two when he gives up being Spider Man. It's like, and it's not just because of the social media thing. It was really just taking a break from all of the podcasting and kickstarting and all that stuff. Um, but it was great. It's like on top of stuff at work, catching up on comics reading. It's like, uh, it was nice. But, you know, here we are doing a podcast. So it shows that's, you know, that, that I can't escape that call to do this. But it's been nice to kind of have a break. And I know it can be a, it can be a time, oh, I think, time drain. Well, every day that I don't do any Facebook, where I have eight hours of other stuff to do and I miss Facebook the whole day, I feel like I had a great day. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Facebook for me was, I mean, especially like in Australia and stuff, which was, that was a weird, uh, that was, was kind of very surreal to see like the, the end of the store oh, from like, you know, segway. so, so far away. But um, yeah, for me, and it's even when I was in Seattle, I mean, before coming here, like Facebook's the only way for me to like be like, oh, what's going on with Bill and, you know, what's going on with Steve and, you know, and Brian and Drew and everything. So, you know, I try to, I don't like comment too much anymore on Facebook because I am trying to get away from it. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of like how I like to keep tabs, see how people are doing and, you know, and just check up. So it's been a nice uh, connection for me. Yeah, I use Facebook the same way, especially being in New Mexico. Yeah. You know, 
And then a good friend of mine posts something like, oh, I have to make a decision. I don't know what to do. And Nick, I hadn't talked to you in years, and I called you right up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about that's a, that's um I actually was going to talk about that um, later, because that was you, I don't know if you understand how big of an impact that call had on me. No. Um, but, why don't you what, go for it? Was, yeah. Were you in Australia when you called? Uh, no, it oh. was, okay, so it was, there's a little context needed for this. Um, so in my, uh, t- my current tenure in Amazon, um, I kind of have been, I have been getting promotions and I've been going to new teams and I had this, my, but my first like initial promotion, um, I basically had two choices where they said, you know, here are two, like you, there are these two positions. They both pay the same. They both have the same benefits and everything. And it's a big step up. Uh, we're offering you this one, which was essentially just being like helping other associates kind of like if they have questions, like I have answers. And then the other one was like, um, the one I really want to go for which was kind of just like when shit hits the fan, like you're the guy and you're the one who's going to be talking to VPs and directors and stuff like directly. And anyway, so, but the thing was, I was a sure thing for the, um, let's just call it the advisor position. And, um, but if I wanted to go for the other position, I would have to decline the offer. And then uh, they gave me 16 hours to decide this, by the way, I would have to decline the offer and then interview in a whole new loop. So three interviewers, hour, you know, hour and a half, and go through a, the whole process again and not know if I'm going to get this job. Uh, and I, so I could basically give up, you know, a lot of money and a lot of benefits. Um, and pretty much like it really opens the, the gateway to like further success. Um, so I could either give up, you know, take the obvious position that I don't really wasn't too thrilled about or take the risk and potentially stay at my level and like miss like, so I, and so I posted on Facebook um, so it was that morning I had to make the decision. They told me the day before, they said, here's your options. And I was still like on the fence. I was like, really, you know, I, I want to do something that I enjoy. And so I posted on Facebook, you know, about to make one of the hardest decisions I have to make or something like that. And, um, out of suddenly out of nowhere and like, you know, I hadn't talked to Bill in, in a while. I suddenly get a phone call and he's like, Hey, Roby, it's Bill. And I was like, <laughs> Bill, hey, Bill, no, 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 no. It was. When, when you say, hey, Roby, it's Bill, there's, there's, only, one, <laughs> there's only one person it could be. And um, I was like, Bill, hey, how's it going? And like, you know, we had a small, quick, and he's just, and you, you were right down to it. You're like, what's the decision? And I was like, and I, and I told Bill, and Bill's like, well, you know, the way you talked about this, the other position, you know, it sounds like you're, you're really enthusiastic about that. Um, and, you know, and he gave me lots of words of encouragement, said, you, you know, you'll, you'll get it anyway. I, I'm sure, I'm sure you will. And, that, um, okay, so that conversation after I spoke with him, um, I had, a, my commute's about 40 minutes to work, and I was driving, and I was like, it just kind of, I had been in Seattle for about a year, I hadn't seen you guys, you know, and I, you know, I talked to you every, like, you know, like things on Facebook every now and then, but I hadn't really talked to anybody, and it kind of like hit me like a brick wall, like, you know, suddenly all the memories of alternate realities came, like, flooding back to me, and I would, like, on the way like to work, I was like a sobbing mess. Oh. I was like, just like, you know, I was like, that was the first time I really, really, really felt homesick. And I was like, you know, remembering my, um, like, you know, everything. And so, yeah, so a sobbing mess, my face is all, my face was like, my eyes are, t- like I come into work and everyone's like, like my, my coworkers are like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Just, <laughs> I'm okay. There's just, and- there's just comic shop. <laughs> <laughs> In Westchester, but it's like it's really special. <laughs> and, and so, so uh, and also I so I was gonna reject this offer, which is a massive offer, 
And so I'm like crying, nauseous, like borderline gonna puke. <laughs> and then like I went into the I went into um, the um, the person who gave me the offer, who was the senior manager. And you know, I just said to her, you know, I appreciate the offer, but I, you know, I really want to go for this. And I got the position, and it actually it was everything and more I wanted it to be. Um, it was really great, really helped me grow in Amazon, and then it gave it led it led me to basically working for my new boss uh, in Amazon in a, in a better position, better everything, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, I was thinking of going down the safe route, and it was still like a, a coin flip. But the moment I talked to you about it my mind was made up and uh yeah that was that was a really important phone call for me and you it really you really had a significant impact so i appreciate I'm it oh like, wow, bravo whoops <laughs> <laughs> almost lost like the a, microphone it was like a Darth Vader statue something he's like oh it just came back to me <laughs> but yeah that was that was a really um i've i've actually I've, I've that's a story that i've been telling a lot of like people that i know so yeah, yeah no, that's, I, I thank you it's awesome no i can attest to that as well i mean you know i thank all of you for your support during the crowdfunding campaign i mean sincerely and you know to to bill especially you know you you know we had a number of conversations over the phone uh i remember yeah. you called me the night before uh, so so optimistic you were like i think you're gonna hit this in two days and i was yeah. like i don't think so but i said <laughs> i appreciate that and there were other times I remember being in the in the airport waiting to board a plane to Buffalo and like the campaign, you know, it was like a week underway and it was doing okay, but not where I wanted it to be. And you, you kind of talked me down and, you know, yeah. yeah, that's that's what Bill Mayo does. And I think all of us within this group, um, you know, I think that's why, you know, we continue to do stuff like this, that it obviously meant a lot to all of us. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fantastic. I remember the last thing um, Steve said to me before I went to Australia. I don't know if you remember. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> 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 no. Um, <laughs> You, what a softie! You, you did you, you were you you were a little uh, you were a little softer than that, Steve. Um, but I just it actually st- it, it stayed with me. Um, no, the first thing you said was uh, don't pull a Carolyn. Well, all right. Let me just explain it, and then if we think it needs to be cut, I'll cut it. But I don't know that it necessarily needs to. What do you always say, man? Truth is an absolute defense. Absolute. Nothing hard. So uh, one of our community members, Carolyn. Uh, this was now good. Good few years ago uh she moved to california to start a new life and we did a big goodbye dinner at mickey spillane's wished her well hugs we'll see you when we see you but then it didn't work out and she was back in like a month <laughs> right did she, well she lasted a couple of months okay yeah. well a yeah. couple months yeah you know, and, then, and then next thing you know she's back it's like oh <laughs> yeah so you know i mean it was what it was you know i don't think nothing horrible I don't remember saying "Don't pull a cow." You did I? You really did. <laughs> oh, that's the impression um, I made on him. No. while Bill is inspiring him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but the, the last thing you the, don't so, come home. That was that was, <laughs> that was that was what you said before. That was what you said like hours before I was actually gonna leave. But the very last thing when I was gonna head out the door that you said to me was, you know, um, and it's I can't remember the exact exact words, but essentially you said, "If you're ever in trouble, just know that like we're here for you." So, yeah. I remember saying that come, come home. Yeah. That's why I remember saying that to you. Yeah. And um that you know that stood with me as well. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, no, I mean this I mean so both kind of both stories, I mean alternate realities for me has been probably um just you know as I said before in the documentary, it's probably one of the, you know, most important experiences in my life. It helped me grow as a person, uh helped me kind of you know just um get over a, a couple, you know, a bunch of tough things that's happened. Um, and even when the store closes, even when the store closes, you know, when you're, when you have a tough decision to make, you know, Bill Mayo can call you and just be like, Hey, let's talk about it. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I hadn't spoken to him for like, you know, three or four years. It's just like, we're picking up where we left off. 
Look how so, heartfelt. No, that's yeah. that's really beautiful. Well, you know, when we did our season finale in in season one, Steve and Bill and I, uh, it, it got emotional. It got very emotional, and I think people responded well to that. Mm-hmm. I often wonder though, like if you know, because I've had you both back on before. We're here again now. Like if if we kept doing that, like every time we were on, <laughs> at what point do you think people would be like, "All right, guys, like get over it." <laughs> I think we're like uh, the Hallmark uh, movies. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So I guess it's still tear you up, it'll choke yeah. you up. But you know, because so you know, because it's about fa- it's his family. It, it is. isn't just yeah. a yeah. friend it sitting is. around. This is, you know, we went through a lot together. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. uh, nobody can take that away from us. You know, that's I, true. I remember post work drinks at Casamaya with you. Uh, you get the hot wings, uh, which always smelled hotter than they actually tasted. <laughs> um, and you'd always get a dose keys and I'd always have a, a Jack and Coke in a pine glass. Um, and you know, Ra- uh, you know, Raphael, Raphael would be, you know, behind the bar usually, or every now and then Claudio would, which means when you order a Jack and Coke, you pretty much get Jack with like a spritz of Coke, you know, God bless. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame a bartender for being heavy handed, but, um, with, but yeah, so I just remember we would talk about just everything that's going on with, you know, with you and me and everything and just like, you know. Talk about life, and I mean, it's been it's been really something else to be around so many people who you know from all different walks of life and all different perspectives, and it really helped me kind of form my uh, worldview uh, a lot. So it's been you know, more, yeah. it's very it's you been know, a great experience. I, I tell that to people all the time when they when I talk about the store and the friendships. I say you know it's it was never about comics. We almost never talk, you know, when we went out, we never talk comics. Especially for me. Yeah, I mean, Roby, like, no, but seriously, like, yeah. Roby's proof of that. Like, here's somebody who, you know, yeah. again, like, only really dabbled in comics, and he was still coming to dinner and everything, because, oh, yeah, that, that's really a, such a small percentage mm-hmm. of what the dinner conversations are like. Now, if you want comic book discussion, I mean, you know where to go. Well, are you looking at me? Go you to, to go to me. <laughs> <laughs> go to, you go to book club. Oh, Not yeah. you, but you could, you could go to book club. I guess. I can't. I just can't imagine doing that. I know. As we've touched on this in past episodes, but uh, some members of our community, they've organized the book club. They meet every couple of months at a brewery in Eastchester. They talk about comics all afternoon. They drink beer. So if you're into that, you know, it, it's, that's a way to, to have that experience. But yeah, certainly like the, the gatherings uh, were never really about that. Yeah. No. So, but no, ob- yes, obviously the store has meant a lot to us. I was thinking about this. And it's appropriate given the, the timing. So uh, my dad and I, for as long as I can remember, our uh, Christmas or Eve or Christmas generally tradition has been to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, so, of course, we watched it this year. Uh, really one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and, uh, Steve, you and I have talked about this, right? How Uncle Billy is really the, the villain the of villain the story. The villain of the whole movie. He is. Yeah, we discussed that the other day, mm. Bill and I. Yeah, he's really yeah. the root of all of George's problems. But, but I was thinking about It's a Wonderful Life in the context of alternate realities. It's like, you know... Who, who's I mean, our Uncle Billy? Well, I think I think you're George, uh, Jay Mizell is Uncle Billy, and Rich Roney is Clarence. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, yeah. It I tracks. It yeah, tracks. Yeah. But imagine if you were given a gift. Imagine if, if Rich Roney, <laughs> angelic Rich Roney, <laughs> appeared <laughs> and showed you what the world would be like if you had never opened alternate realities. It'd be amazing. What a gift. And I, and I know you appreciate the store and what it meant, so it's not like you necessarily need that lesson, but wouldn't that be interesting? Where would my life have gone? I don't know. Rich and powerful attorney, multimillionaire. <laughs> it may be. Yeah, <laughs> he takes the opposite lesson away. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! Uh, gee, I, well, I mean, you, you, in the movies, if you had a different life, it's like you're unhappy and you just wish to have the old life. But in uh, in our reality, in this alternate reality, um, you know, I don't. 
I, I can't even imagine. I don't even think about it. You know? I, I, in fact, yesterday I was thinking to myself, everything works out the way it's supposed to work out. Because you know? who was it? Uh, we're talking about... Uh, oh, I think it was uh, about Pat and, and ex-girlfriends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, you know, that, that never worked out. I'm, I think of all the, the crazy exes I had. Mm. And it's like, yeah, we would have had a great time for a couple of years before I drove her crazy and she drove me crazy and we hate each other and break up. And that would have been a cycle for very, a couple of different girls, right? But in, in the end, it just worked out to the right one. Speaking of, speaking of Steve's exes, a, oh a couple gosh. of things on that point. Oh there have been a number of instances recently where Steve has mentioned Amanda and he's been like, oh, do you remember Amanda? And it's like, <gasps> yeah, I remember Amanda. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> well, how did it come up? I don't even remember. I don't, I don't even remember what, what the context was. Do you remember when you took her hair and like tied it around your rearview mirror? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she, well, there's a lot of her hair all over the car. So, you know, it's like I'm cleaning the car and there's a strand of hair. So I just put it on the mirror. And the next thing I know, there's another strand. So it's like there's a whole lot. Oh, have you kept in touch with her at all? Sorry, have you kept no. in touch with her at all? No, not at all. Huh. She, uh, I guess for me, again, it was, again, a cathartic uh, experience, you know, where um, uh, when... Well, again, I don't know if you're going to include this thing in here, but... Uh, well, if you don't want me to, don't, you know, it's, that's up yeah. to you. No, yeah, it's just that, uh, you know, it came to the point where I, I still look back and I said, yeah, I really cared about her. And uh, I think yes. we would have had a we would have had a great, I'll say, two to three years together. Because we had a lot in common. We had a great time every time we were together. Um, and, um, but, how can I say it? I guess... I don't know, it's just egocentric, maybe, is the one thing. Or what did uh, the wife of a friend of ours who knew us both said she has a lot of growing up to do first. Mm. Um, and, yeah, she has her issues. But uh, what do you say? <laughs> no, I, was, I just remembered that I... I, rem- I just remembered the uh, she's old comment again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is so, again, so, so long ago. Talk about how long ago yeah. it was. Roby, I think, just started college. He was in, like, yep. 18. Yep. And he's on the phone with a friend of his. Uh, Caitlin, I remember. And they're talking about magic. And he says, well, there is one girl who plays magic, but she's old. She's like 30. <laughs> Roby, wow. how old are you now? 30. Oh, you're old. Oh, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a long time uh, back. But yeah, the, the, uh, the many loves of Steve Odo. I, you know, I want to get your take on this, Bill. Like part of me wants to do, uh, Steve has suggested this, so I, I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn. Uh, part of me wants to do like a mini, like a podcast mini series on the many loves of oh, Steve Odo. Oh, like, no. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say oh, what ifs. You know, it's, it's yeah, like uh, we could do that. What if we didn't have the store? What if we never met Jeff Wong or something like that? You know, how things we would could do that. Different. I don't know. But no, what do but you think there, about the many? Lo- is that? I feel like that I might be too to much. That. I don't know. You get one person would listen. I would listen. <laughs> right. As long as there's at least one, that's all right. Yeah. God, I remember before that, Valerie. Um, that was interesting, and obviously, don't if you know if we need to cut this out, whatever. But that was, oh, the many, the many loves, the many loves, the many loves. Well, it kind of ties into uh, one of my favorite lines from you in my comic shop documentary. Uh, it's the sequence where we're talking about like why you shouldn't call Steve on a Wednesday. Oh, do you remember your line? Yeah, I do. I give do. It, give it to us, man. <clears throat> I said, uh, "Don't call Steve on a Wednesday unless you have a vagina." 
Oh, <laughs> it's a great line. It's that's one of my favorite uh, Roby moments in the movie. The other one, and this is one of my favorite moments in the entire thing, is it's kind of it's really I guess technically a blooper, but I left it in the movie proper because I felt like it was just uh, so perfect. When uh, Roby's ranting a little bit about the customers, she's like, "These customers, they don't know that we're closed on Tuesday and that we open at one o'clock on Wednesday." And then off camera, I'm like, "No, we open at two. And he has this moment where, like, first he tries to recover. But then he's just like, ah, I'm one of them. <laughs> and it was great because I think it was a great way, you know, of kind of like just bringing everybody, like we're all we're all yeah. kind of in this together. Even if we're complaining about the customers, we kind of we have our own same. moments too. Yeah. To my, great. to my defense, you did open at one in the past. In the past. In the past. In the past. So. But I, I remember that scene and, and it's like, he looks off camera. He says, what? We open at two? <laughs> <laughs> It's like a classic. You just caught the right look. Or it's like that uh, Brown O'Day scene where he's talking about it, the more things change, the more they're, they're different or something. Some things never change and some things stay the same. <laughs> and then he catches himself. He's like, wait, I just said the same thing. <laughs> Oh, oh, uh, but all right, so let's talk about you leaving sure. and then what it was like watching the store close from afar. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, first you left, but even before you moved to Australia, and I kind of wanted to get the timeline straight on this, because even before you moved to Australia, I feel like you, you kind of distanced yourself from the store a little bit, right? Like you started hanging out at the Lazy Boy Saloon in White yeah. Plains, right? Um, so I had so I had moved into an apartment in White Plains. This was and, after college. Yes, it was after college. Um, it was, jeez. Uh, was it? I think it was two thousand, late two thousand ten, early two thousand eleven. I think when I, when I went uh, into the apartment, and honestly, I kind of just, um, I kind of just kind of closed up a lot, um, and I don't know why, um, I don't know. I just, I, and honestly, I, I kind of did this <laughs> when I went to Australia too, especially, but yeah, I just kind of like closed myself off. I, I would, I you know, I worked at uh, this uh, place called Grapes the Wine Company, um, in White Plains uh, for a bit, and so I, basically my commute was. You know, go work, go home, and then, you know, pretty much just play video games, you know, drink and sleep. Where, where was the apartment in White Plains? I don't remember. It was the Avalon. Oh, okay, now I know where it is. Sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, it was a it was a tough time. And then um, I had a, um, rela- a long-distance relationship at the time, which I think actually was probably part of it, to be honest, uh, where it was just kind of like time, you know, time zones and everything. Um, and that's why I also went to Australia originally. Um, and yeah, I think I just kind of closed up and it wasn't like, I don't know what happened. I think I kind of just started falling into a, um, a kind of a, a, a mental, uh, rut, I guess, where I didn't want to be like around many other people. So it wasn't, it wasn't the best timeline, but, um, yeah. So, and I think I remember I had, yeah, before I went, I think my parents, it was, you know, there are things going on at home and stuff too. So it's just kind of, um, it was just kind of a bad time and I didn't want, really want to be around people. Um, and you know, in hindsight, I should have known like you guys would have you know helped out. But at the same time, I think the like moving further away, even though it was just white plains kind of also just kind of get, got in the way of like just what I was doing day to day. Yeah. You're a different routine. I understand. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's before I went to Australia and yeah, I mean, you know, what, you know, could have, would have, should have, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, even if, you know, in hindsight, it's a, it's a mistake or something I probably regret doing. It's still, you know, it's part of what got me here, you know, now. Yeah. And what, you know, I don't know if I'd be in Seattle, to be honest. Um, yeah, and I, I want to continue to chart your journey. But sure. like for you, Steve, during this time when Roby kind of distanced himself, I mean, in your head, were you like, oh, like he's just doing his own thing? Or were you kind of like, hey, like, where is this guy? 
It was about a, about we were still around for about a year before. I mean, we were still. Was yeah, it, no, so we was cl- it 2010? Because I, I thought it was... It was 2011, I think. Yeah, oh, okay. No, I'm just trying to think. Did, had Dad passed away by that time? Because yes. he died in yes. June 20. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me think. Well, I guess, you know what it is? Uh, maybe I see it more now, but I was kind of used to people coming in and out of our lives at the store. I mean, bef- way before you guys, in the early, in the 90s. Uh, you remember Josh Fre- Friedman? Right? No? no? Not familiar? Josh Friedman was sort of like an older version of you. Well, older because you know, right. he, was, he was in high school in the early 90s. But he used to come every day and just hang out. And then one day he just stopped. And I thought, did, did, uh, did we do something or did we say something that just insulted him? They decided not to come by. And uh, I, I don't remember if, if we spoke to him directly or through somebody else. But he said one day he just decided not to come by anymore. So, you know, in my life, you see, to me, you know, I'm a lot old. I'm twice as old as all you guys. I've seen this happen in different situations all the time. So, like, people come, people go. And that's why, especially, like, you know, when everybody talked about, gee, even though the store will close, we'll still get together for dinner every other weekend or something like that. And so that's not going to happen. You know, all the folks that I've known from uh, college, from law school, from uh, law firms and all this kind of stuff, you know, we just, <laughs> we never see each other. You know, again, Facebook is the only connection to say, okay, this uh, secretary of so-and-so uh, is doing this, or, you know, she got married, has kids, got divorced, all this kind of stuff. But other than that, you know, it's, uh, to me, this is life. Um, and then when Roby disappeared, I was a little surprised, but I realized that, you know, he's, uh, I thought maybe he found just another interest, or, I didn't think, I, I don't think anything had pissed you off that you, you decided to go away, yeah. but uh, I said, okay, you know, and, but, but I guess in the back of my head, I always thought, well, you knew we were there. So you knew that even if we didn't see you for six months, if you came back one day, it's like you were just there yesterday or something for us. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think the very fact that you're, you're here today maybe will ingrain in you that we are family and that, you know, you know 10 years from now, we can get together and it'll be the same as if it was uh, the early 2000s. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was not another interest or anything. It was, it was pretty much just like falling into a pretty dark depression. Uh, I had gained a lot of weight back. Um, I, you know, so, you know, I think, I don't know if you remember back before, um, like I moved to White Plains, uh, but I used to come in, you know, I had like the, you know, from the deli, like the, um, those mozzarella balls that were like marinated in like olive oil and whatever the, the buccacini, you know, um, but like it was high protein. I was working out and I was like doing like, you know, going to the gym three times a day and then I would go to the store, still my workout clothes, feeling accomplished or whatever. And then eventually... Yeah, I just I just fell into um, a pretty bad depression and the weight gain. I think part I know this sounds really stupid, of course, saying it out loud even sounds worse. But I was like, you know what? I don't want them to uh, see me like this. And honestly, I even, you know, I messaged Anthony before the podcast, and I was like, hey, just let them know, you know, I am definitely not, you know, doing the best. And so it's a lot of it was in my head, and so it's like nothing that the story ever did. It was just kind of like. Um, it was just a, it was something that, you know, honestly, if the store probably could have helped for some reason, I thought to myself, I just don't want to, you know, be around people, especially after my, you know, my ups and downs and my achievements and then my going back, falling back into, you know, bad, uh, bad habits. So that was, yeah, that was, it was, it was nothing against the store. It was just my, me talking in my head saying, you know, 
you don't, you don't want them to see you like this kind of thing. Yeah. No, we understand. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, you were going mm-hmm. through that. Um, and then so so that was before you before Australia. Yes. And then Australia was like 2012. 12. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I was trying to do the math, and like Steph and I have been together. March will be five years, and it's like you've not met her. You'll meet her when we're done with this. Yeah. But uh, so I was like, I think it's been about five years since uh, since he left. So uh, what brought you to Australia? Because you went for uh, for school, right? Yeah. It was, um, it was a combination of things. Um, so. After I realized I didn't want to be a lawyer, um, uh, after working in a you know a bankruptcy firm uh, for like you know, and like by the way like just just for the record my boss was great. It's just the the work I just took no enjoyment from whatsoever. As, as you're talking to two non-practicing attorneys, <laughs> I don't think you'll, you'll get any I arguments. Uh, what's, what's he talking about? Uh, <laughs> so great. Hey, but um, deposition tomorrow, yay! But so I um, got really involved in the the beer community um, and. You know, meeting people like Chris DiCicco and yeah, you uh, became quite the connoisseur. I remember even before yeah. you left, you were always bringing by exotic beers. Yep. Um, and I got really into that scene, and I was like, okay, you know what? I want to do like a marketing job or some kind of job with like you know, like with the within the industry. And so I actually interviewed a bunch, and um, they were just like, look, you you seem to know your stuff about beer. You know, you seem really passionate. However, you have zero business credentials. You know, you were a poli sci undergrad. You know, and you're a certified paralegal. That's not exactly the skill set we're looking for. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I need to get some like marketing kind of it's like some kind of business like background somewhat. So the the fates kind of aligned where I never studied abroad ever, and uh, I was in a long distance relationship at the time. Um, and so I was like, well, time time for a change of pace, and let's just you know let's get a master's degree, and um, and you know at the same time kind of. Be in, like be in an actual relationship, and um, you know very quickly when I got when I came to Australia, um, things did not work out in the romance department. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, and so I kind of focused on school, but unfortunately I did what I did in White Plains, but like to the tenth degree, um, even worse. And so it was kind of um, I was very isolated. Like I was basically had no friends at all. Um, and I was just like going to school and, uh, it was, it's so seeing that the store was closing and like, you know, knowing that I still ha- I still wanted to complete my degree, which thankfully I did, but like, you know, seeing the store close and just knowing, you know, I wasn't going to be around for that. And then seeing all the photos and everything, it was very, uh, tough, I would say, but yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, you know, the store meant so much to me, and like here's like you know the end of the store, and I'm not even. What am I doing? Why the why the hell am I even like? Why am I here in Australia? Yeah, um, I wasn't sure on the timeline if you were already in Seattle by that point, but so you were in Australia. I was, when in, the store I was still closed. in Australia, yeah, uh, when the store closed, seeing all the images. Um, otherwise, I would have definitely flown out and like you know been there for the end but well because i think of like, i think of you bill mm-hmm. and obviously you know once you were done with the undergrad you went elsewhere uh for your master's and and then your your doctorate mm-hmm. right but you've always come back and whenever you're here you spent you know you, you would spend as much time at the store as you could and, absolutely and obviously yeah, yeah. when the store was closing you know you came here and you spent that entire week <laughs> the whole week moving that store right and it's like i mean what do you think how would you have felt if, if i wasn't if around. you weren't able to get here for that I mean, it would have been a loss that I wouldn't have uh, any sort of closure on. On know? the bright side, had you not come, <laughs> the store would probably still be there. So. Well, for at least another month. Or, or one more month. 
Um, but no, I mean, like, I so I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I think we, you know, we identify with with what you're expressing there because I think that yeah. it would have been terrible for any of us to not. Yeah, be I needed able to, to be, be part there. Of that. Yeah, and it was easy for me. I mean, well, easier, right? New Mexico. Um, you know, even if you wanted to from Australia, that would not be an easy trip. No. Yeah. Then there'd be issues with like that was a one way ticket. Well, immigration and stuff like that too, right? Sorry. Immigration. Yeah. Exactly. No. It would. They want to let you back in. Yeah. It would. It would it'd be a mess, and it would just you know. And also, once again, the, what I, as I said before, like what I was doing in the White Plains just even got worse in Australia. So like even with uh, like classmates in your program, like you didn't really. No, I mean, become and, friends with them. And in, in that environment, also, all of them are doing like other things. They already have like established social circles, and they're all mostly just like they are Australians. And so they have their lives. And this is a post-grad thing where, you know, you do, you know, you like go to six o'clock classes and stuff. So like they had their, you know, lives set up pretty much. And they, because they pretty much lived in Perth for, you know, however long. So yeah, no, it was, you know, it wasn't, oh, let's go out. It's like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend now and, you know, I'll see you guys next, next class. Were you dorming or you had your own place? No, I, yeah, I had my own place. So um, it was, yeah, it was really rough. And, you know, I mean, the only, only good thing that came out of it was pretty much, you know, my career that like, you know, essentially when I, it was time to go uh, and I had my degree, my brother was like, you should probably come to Seattle because the economy is going crazy right now. And like, it, that's like, where your brother is. Yeah. My brother uh, also works at Amazon. And, um, yeah, you know, he said, you know, you should, you should come here and, you know, stay at, stay at the house, uh, and get yourself, you know, set up. And, um, and my dad tried also, like he kind of sold that too. He said, you know, New York's not going to, like, career-wise, isn't going to be what you're looking for. You should, like, look to do something. So straight from Australia to Seattle. And um, and so when was that move? Like, because after the store closed, right? So 2015? So yeah, it was, 2015, it was April 26, 2015. Okay. Um, I don't, I, for some reason, the date just sticks with me. Wait, April, wait, which year? 2015. Okay. That's the year we closed, right? Yeah, no. the sto- so the store yeah. closed June 2015. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Let me just make sure then that's true. Yeah. That's okay. It's not. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It was twenty. So it was twenty fifteen. So yeah, I was in Seattle then. Um, yeah, I. I'll just say that like, things did not like get immediately better at all when I moved to Seattle. Um, I remember I found out that you were in Seattle, and I don't remember who you talked to or somebody knew you were out there, and I was surprised. I was like, when did this happen? Like the fact that we didn't know. Yeah, right, the mo- yeah. like the moves first to Australia and then to Seattle. Did- I'm new to Australia. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but how then- did you communicate with that with us? Yeah. Like, did you just I don't po- think- maybe you posted about it? I don't. I don't, I don't really. You, yeah. you rarely posted anything. That's why we didn't have. I yeah. had no idea. I think maybe I got everything through you. Yeah, but I. However, you, you know, found there's out. very few posts from. Yeah, you, I was. So I had no idea what you're doing. It was really. Yeah, it was really tough. I mean, I was so. I wouldn't say embarrassed, but I was so just not like australia was not a good time uh and like you know once again the only thing i could come for, that i could get out of it was the degree right. but aside from that it was it was not a good time there was a lot of issues as you can imagine when you know when things don't go well and um i just kind of was so i, I guess i'll say embarrassed because you know i made this big move thought everything was going to work out and it didn't and i kind of there's so, such a sense of shame and like regret and he was worried about pulling a carolyn because you put that thought <laughs> yeah i know seriously <laughs> I, can't, I can't come back <laughs> but 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 yeah so i mean i just kind of shut myself from, from, from like the world i mean i didn't like i didn't talk to obi for, like for forever i mean yeah. um and it was just yeah it was it was I know it sounds like a bad breakup line, but I promise you it wasn't you guys it was me <laughs> like i was just i was i it was i was just in my head so i just didn't because I didn't want to, like, I was afraid if, like, you know, if I posted stuff and, and like, I was going to be asked a bunch of questions and I didn't want to, I was not ready. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was barely ready even now to even remotely talk about it. So, 
I was I was expecting you to post pictures of giant Australian spiders. Yeah, they were there. No, yeah, that, that's like, true. It's like why doesn't he post po- pictures Kangaroos of spiders too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those spiders, huntsman spiders, are brutal, dude. They they eat the other spiders, um, and they don't have webs. They just they're called huntsmen because they're really fast and they just like they jump get up, right, and they're like bigger than my hand. Yeah. So, Did you ever have one in like the apartment or anything? It, yeah, and I even had a even the 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 funny one. The funny thing is the ones you have to look out for are like the smallest, and, and right, so they're poison. They're I was really poison. I was cooking once um, in the kitchen, and as <laughs> as opposed to cooking in the bedroom, but no, I was cooking in the kitchen, and I remember my I was wearing sandals because Australia, and I remember like my like there's that little like thing between the count like but um, between the floor and the sorry about that and the counter where there's like there's a little crevice or something mm-hmm. like. And my foot, my foot hit underneath it, and suddenly I see this little black thing with a red stripe on its back, crawling out. And it was an Australian redback, which are like really highly poisonous spiders. Um, so yeah, no, Australia was quite the experience. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean it sounds like it. It's on a random tangent, but uh, Steph and I just uh, finished watching The Leftovers, the HBO series, and the entire third season was filmed in Australia. So mm. that's really my my main experience with it. I've never been, but I would like to. I'm, I'm sure it's. Gr- I mean, sure it's great. Like, yeah, if you go in like different pretenses, but yeah. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you haven't really sold me on it. <laughs> also, I'd recommend going to Sydney first because that's where all the, everything is. I was on the west coast. I was on like the the California side. Were you close of- to like the water? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, okay. I mean, in Australia, it's like all coastal and then yeah. desert uh-huh. in the middle. But uh, so you're in Australia, you see Odo's Facebook post that the store is going to close. What's yeah. your reaction? I mean, did you believe it, or were you like, no, he's not going to close? I mean, it was it was kind of like you know, I didn't believe it at first, um, and then I think it. I honestly didn't believe it until I started seeing all the photos of like the store being taken apart, essentially. And yeah, I know it, it. I was very. I, I was like, you know, I wish I was there. And then I, I, a lot of regret, like, and I felt really bad that I hadn't like, like kept up with you guys at all, even through Facebook. But I mean, what's worse is because I regretted it and I was so like ashamed of myself. I was like, well, that's just keep on going. <laughs> keep on keeping on. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, because I was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, but yeah, it was, it was really tough. It was really difficult. And I was, and I was thinking, wow, you know, it's an end of an era and I'm not even here to, I'm not even here to experience it, even though it meant so much to me. So yeah, it was it was very sad, um, and yeah, a lot of regret. And I mean, again, I'm not trying to like get you riled up or, or express anger, but I'm like, I'm just curious. Like during that time, especially, did you whether it was Roby or anybody else, were you like, where are like? Well, I know so many people did come back, so maybe this wasn't an issue. But we're, like, whether it was Roby or someone else, was there anyone where you like, like, where are these people now? But all the people in the, your first movie who said that meant so much, and then we yeah. have no idea where they are. Yeah. Um. No, that it again. I don't think that really surprised me. Um, I guess what really took me by surprise were the number of people who I hadn't seen in decades, right? Who suddenly came back and said this store meant a lot to me. And I'm sorry to see it go, but you know this was a big part of my childhood or whatever. It was that there were so many people who, you know, I, I don't necessarily know all their names, but I certainly remember the faces and all that. Yeah. Again, like I always say, it's like being a teacher who's retiring and suddenly all your old students show up. I think that's a Twilight Zone episode was, wasn't it? Well, the guy thought that he was useless. He was about to retire, and suddenly the ghosts of all his uh, students come back—the ones who died in the wars and stuff. But uh, they all remembered all these different things that they taught that he had taught them, and they, they just came to say thank you. So it's like then we retired. He said, I, "I feel pretty good." Then I think he had a heart attack and died at the end. <laughs> but, I mean, it wouldn't uh, be Twilight Zone without without yeah, that happening. Twist. <laughs> uh, I mean, Roby, if you had 
been here for the closing. I mean, was there anything in particular you would have done, taken, said? I mean, I like it. Like, what is there anything in particular where you're like, oh, I wish I was there to X? Um, or just be there? No, I mean, I think I think be there, celebrate, share, remember the memories. You know, kind of like what we're doing here in terms of the podcast, but you know, except th- you know, at dinner and stuff. Put a claim on the big magic gathering sign that we yeah. own. Yeah. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> yeah, is there anything you would have wanted to claim? Probably like taking a couple of the unglued boxes, maybe, or some of mm-hmm. the the Odyssey. Don't have those. I know, right? Uh, but uh, I would no. I, I probably would have. I would have been like, "What are you going to do with the magic boxes?" Um, and then, you, you know, this is yeah, a side which you maybe want to cut out. But I just discovered we had a bunch of empty magic booster boxes. Yeah, they're from older series, and Zane was going to throw them out. But I looked at everything. And said everything has value. Yes. So I looked it up on eBay. I think of like money, empty boxes. Oh my god! <laughs> so it's like, oh, amazing. Gonna sell those. But I think, um, no, I just I w- wish I was there. I mean, part okay. of me would have probably said, you know, sorry, I was, you know, kind of MIA for so long. But you know, I would have definitely come back for that um, if but I could. There was one photo um, from the Saturday, I think it was, when we were taken down the slot wall, and uh, I don't remember who took the, sh- the shot of us, but we're all sitting there, and it was amazing to see some of those faces. You know, people that you were surprised came out to help. And, you know, I thought that was beautiful. I'm sure you would have been there had you uh, not been across the world. I think you know that if you had come back, you didn't have to start with an apology. Yeah. We'd just say, hey, Roby's here. We're happy to see you. Matt Matt, Matt Casey came back. He didn't say anything. (laughs) He's tall. Reach up there. You know, we wouldn't even start. Thought second. Had a second thought. That's the thing. Remember, Matt walked through the door. He was helping us take down the slot wall. Like, like, no time had passed. All right. Yeah. Same thing. Building off of uh, Steve's idea of, uh, of Odo as teacher, uh, what lessons did, have you learned that you've kept with you from Steve and or the store generally? <laughs> I mean, there there were so many there were so many lessons. Um, I and I'm not just saying that to try to buy time. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which <laughs> so many. Uh, I, uh, let me think, let me put them in order right now. Where do I start? I, I, I mean, well, there there are things there's things Steve taught me by you know talking to me about it. And then there's the things Steve taught me by doing it and me going, I don't want to do that. Um, so I mean, I think that's another line from your from the documentary of yours. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I think that's in there. But um, jeez, I think. Um, do you remember any Steve Odoism? Well, I know. Well, I know Steve. One of Steve's favorite lines is, uh, "All men are pigs and all women are crazy." Or that he. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, the Steve Odo likes the crazies. We know that. Loves but as far as men being pigs, I know. I do. Yeah. That was, well, that was. I think I, I. I remember that line, and then I just remember. I mean, there's not really Odoisms more than just like things that we talked about at like Casamaya, and then. I I don't I don't think we can put this in the podcast, but I'm just gonna say it for for us since we're here. Um, the whole thing with uh, Morgan was just a very rough lover. Yes, no, been, no, no, we, we talked about we talked about rough lover. Okay, um, but no, I mean, so I just I just remember some of your like your one liners, not one liners, your 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 odoisms or your words of wisdom to her when she was doing that, which was um, oh the five oh, what the when no. you think back on the five yeah the <laughs> things you've ever done in your life yeah and then <laughs> and then also and I think you meant to say this out of like a, a place of like caring but like you're like when you come back broken we'll put the pieces back together <laughs> and I was like okay maybe that's not like the best thing to like say but I don't know I mean it's I mean Steve pretty much taught me how to be like like one of the decent human beings where if the aliens are like 
visiting the planet and I were to meet them, maybe they wouldn't blow up the planet if they meet Wait, me. Wait, what? <laughs> From Steve? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I didn't I did not ad- adopt his, you know, you know, self-rule, we don't deserve it kind of stance. Although on actually, you know, they I used to always say that you and humans deserve, don't deserve self-rule. self-rule. Yeah. yeah. Although, it's true. <laughs> in the current true. in the current political climate, yeah, I'm actually more inclined to agree with you now. But um He was right. <laughs> you know. But no, I mean, honestly, it was just... Well, um, we all grew up at the store. Yeah, all of us. You it, know? You so were the it, father of all of us. Yeah, I mean, that, and I always <laughs> told people, like, you're a second father to me. And it's just kind of life lessons that it's not an odoism or anything. It's just just being there, talking about day-to-day, what's going on, what's going on in your life, what's going on in my life, you know, um, especially um, after in, in 2010, before, you know, the white, we'll call it the, the White Plains timeline. But before then, you know... Uh, it was a really big help, and I mean, it was it was a really 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 tough time. I you know I thought that was going to be the one, but like I was able to come to the store, take my mind off of things, except for when Anthony tries to recommend shows. And <laughs> yeah, I really am sorry about <laughs> no, that. <laughs> it, honestly, I didn't remember that until you mentioned it. But no, it's not. It's not great. Big deal. I just <laughs> that reopened, reopened an old wound. <laughs> it's it's been seven years. If I'm not. <laughs> I'm not over by then. That's a problem. It really is a great yeah. show. I mean, I think enough time has passed. <laughs> to watch I'll, it. Ju- I'll check it out. No, it's just essentially just he helped me, you know, he helped me just grow up and just, you know, I think with the things I've experienced at the store, I've, I, I went out into the, into the world, I think, or more prepared, um, you know, than I would have been if I, if, you know, if Steve hadn't been around. So um, it's really not, I don't, there's no specific things. Um, but it's just kind of just what's happened and, you know, and just everything that's happened. Um, I, I don't know why I suddenly remember this, but I remember the first, one of the first times I worked at the store, um, and Drew was there. Um, Drew thought I was like in my twenties when I was 16, apparently. Um, cause there was this, um, and this might, I don't know, but uh, there's this really, really beautiful woman who worked in the store. And she had um, like blue eyes, brunette, long brunette hair. And she was like reading comics and like, you know, she liked comics and me being 16 year old me, I was like, oh my God, a really attractive girl. <laughs> like, like he was like, you know, into the, into comic books and stuff. That's really cool. And Drew noticed I was kind of like uh, amazed by this. And he was like, oh yeah, I, I know her, you know, do you want me to like, you know, you know, you know, introduce you to her? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. She seems a little like, she seems a little like old for me. And he's like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, what are you, 21, 22? I'm like, Drew, I'm 16. <laughs> he's like, oh. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. But I just remember, I don't know, I was always treated like, you know, I was always treated more like, you know, not because people thought I was older. I, was, I don't know, I just, I feel like I was in a more I don't know, grounded were, environment. You were treated as an equal. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think it didn't really matter. Uh, Age didn't matter yeah. in the comics. It's yeah. true. I mean, we talked did. about it like in the context of uh, talking to Rich Roney, but it applies across the board too. Like I never, because again, I you know we're the same age, Roby. Yeah. So and you know I started working there when I was you know after my freshman year of high school. But it's like I never felt like I was a kid there. Yeah. No, I remember. Um, was it Brandon who bought Pagoda for us when we were when I was when I was working there? Um, I remember my first task I ever had. So like, because you remember yours, my first task was I had to um, order the the back issues mm-hmm. that was um, a common first test for a lot of people yeah yeah that was no, mine. i had to uh, order the uh, the back issues and i remember your brother uh little was, bill yeah <laughs> little bill was on top of me on that he was like he would he would he checked my work a <laughs> <laughs> oh, little bit mike mike mayo your yeah. brother uh i don't we've probably talked about him at some point on one of these episodes but i don't know but he worked at the store before me did he mm-hmm. 
He yeah. worked, for, worked for Brandon. He worked for Brandon. Yeah. Wow. For I mean, very different for brothers. Oh yeah. But one of the things that I always remembered about him, and we we've talked about this, but uh, when I told him that I was going to Fordham, he thought I meant I was going to Fordham Prep. Prep. Yeah. And the first words out of his mouth, he goes, "Oh, you're going to get beat up." <laughs> <laughs> Because it was probably like the summer before, and we were like, you and I were probably talking about, like, oh, are you excited for school to start? And right, he's like, where right, are you right. going to go? And I was like, oh, Fordham. And he's like, oh, you're going to get beat up. Nice. And I, I was like, oh, uh, nice. like, okay. <laughs> and we clarified I was going to the uh, to the college, not the high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, you're still going to get beat up. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. But that was one of the Mike memories that, yeah. that always stood out to me. Very encouraging, helpful. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember when he was getting into. Um mixed martial arts oh yeah 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 is he still doing that no he uh blew out his shoulder had reconstructive surgery and he can no longer train the same way he did so i remember face it out of his life it was fair it was a bad uh, it was um it was the what was it the indonesian um tsunami had hit and he wanted his name to be mikey tsunami oh i think that's and i his, remember that and his, and his catchphrase was gonna be like <laughs> I got your family. I came after your family. Now I'm coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted a, he wanted his uh, theme song to walk out to was "It's Raining Men." <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, Mike uh, Mike is quite the character. I love him, little Bill. Maybe one day we, we'll try to get him. Oh, on I the show. get him on the show. <laughs> he would love it. Oh my god, uh, Steve! I'm not editing but out you, your coughs this but time. You know so what? People are just going to hear. Surprisingly, them. <laughs> my brother doesn't do mixed martial arts, but I'm sure you see on Facebook, Brian O'Day yeah. is quite the uh, character. Is it true there. he completely gave up alcohol and smoking? Yeah, yeah. Just cold he's turkey. in great shape. Wow! So one day he's just going to stop. Is he coming tomorrow? Start in training. Yeah. You mean today, New Year's Day? New Year's Day. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, that's right. Yeah. This no, is... we can talk about it. No. Yeah. So, well, we are recording this uh, early in the morning on uh, New Year's Eve day. Uh, but on actual New Year's Day, when many of you hopefully will be listening to this, uh, there will be the second annual meeting of the Illuminati. This is we a tradition. Get a name of the, for this. Why? You don't I like don't, Illuminati? It's all right, I oh, guess. It's, I'll make I the shirts. All right, I'll make, make the shirts. shirts. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I want to give you a special shout out. You are our shirt maker. For all those people who pledged to the Kickstarter campaign and are getting a shirt, it's going to be a shirt made by you. Absolutely. Handmade. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, but so this is a tradition that started last year where a small group of us gathered on New Year's Day. Uh, to have breakfast at a diner in Yonkers, and we're going to do it again. Uh, we're doing it again as you're listening to this <laughs> breakfast. Uh, so it's going to be great. Roby's going to make a surprise appearance. People are going to love it. I, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I hope. Yeah, I hope they're hope they're happy to see me. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Everybody's going to be thrilled. crazy. <laughs> Did you think you were gunny sacked? What? Did you think you were gunny sacked? I don't know what that means. And he really has sack. not listened to these episodes. Yeah. Uh, no, we're I, really showing. I have. I have. I don't have time any to no, listen right. to it. No, I guess this, maybe this was after your time. A gunny sack refers to when, when there's a, a, an offense. Um, like if you wrong someone, they'll put you in their gunny sack, their personal gunny sack. Okay. No, it's in the documentary. You've seen this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich yeah. talks about it. Yeah, Rich talks about it. Like how what? Steve never forgets. Like if you wrong him. <laughs> oh, well, that, in yeah. The gunny sack. He'll file that away in the gunny sack and a number of years might elapse. He'll pull that right out. <laughs> Decades. 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 Go by. Yeah. He has that snap. The other day I had, uh, we, were, we were with uh, Rich and he does this money flick. And I forgot yes. about the money flick. You remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can never do the it. The joke. The joke is one day he's going to do it, and then he's just going to see the half a bill flying in the air. Flying in the air. Yeah, Bill, you were in the gunny sack, or maybe I was in yours. I still haven't figured it out. Who's gunny sack? I don't know. Weeks, weeks go by. I'm trying to get in touch with this guy. I'm like, "Are you coming in? Are you coming in?" Silence. Then all of a sudden, Steve is like, "Oh yeah, Bill's here." I'm like, "What the hell?" I said, "Is Bill mad at me?" <laughs> the week before, he asked. Yeah. And uh, 
He says, does, do you ever contact Bill? I said, yeah, I write to him all the time, but he never writes back. <laughs> and I said, oh, then it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I just worry about you, Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I need to get better right. about that. 2018 will be better about responding. All right. No, I'm glad we've been able to hang out. Mm-hmm. That's been great. Uh, well, you know, I think our time here is, uh, is winding down. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? I guess not. Nick, <laughs> I mean, I, Nick, I'm, I can't make it for the past. Yeah. But I'm only a phone call away. Anytime. I, I appreciate it. Honestly, that's, that, that was one of like the, like I was just telling Obi about that yes, like two days ago, how that was one of the most pivotal things. But honestly, I guess I'll just say, and I, I mean, I won't try to repeat myself too much, but this, like the store for me had, had been like one of the most just important experiences in my life. And obviously, you know, you can't change the past, but uh, I hope that maybe for my New Year's resolution, uh, I'll try to be more kind of in contact with people because I always thought, you know, it was like, I don't know, it was always in my head, but being here and, you know, being with you guys again, it's been really nice to be able to, you know, I just realize, you know what, like, it's family and that you'll be here for me. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. I love you, Nick. Thanks, man. I love you too. It, you know, this is like that last uh, episode of uh, Star Trek's uh, Next Generation. Do you remember that episode? When they play cards? When they're sitting around the poker table and the captain never joined them. Yeah. But it's the final episode. So he sits down. And he'd look around at this crew that he's been with for all these years. Says, I should have done this sooner. And they were like, you were always invited or something. You're always welcome. Yeah. You know, table's never closed. That's right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we've genuinely missed you. And it's it's been great to see you again and catch up. And I mean, I hope uh, you do keep in touch with us. I think we'd all love that. I'm going to try to make more visits to the East Coast. Um, I'm already planning, actually, on coming in the summer, so... Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to try to be, now that it, now that I'm here and now that, you know. I'll put the, you to work in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. Alternate reality survives in two storage units down the street. Nice. Nice. I got to check that out, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to be more, um, just like come over to the East Coast more because I would like to say that I think my darkest timeline is now over. And I think that uh, hopefully in 2018, a lot, of, a lot of good things happen. So I'm actually looking forward to maybe going back a little to the old to the old days so yeah yeah well, nah, for forget free. the good, uh, good old days new days good yeah. new days coming. new days, new days. make new new stories to tell i'm still in the past <laughs> <laughs> i'll catch up with you <laughs> see you guys in 20 years <laughs> all right well i think that'll do it well i want to thank all of you for being part of this new year special of my comic shop history absolutely anthony thank yeah, you very anytime. much thank you so much Awesome. Well, to you guys here and to everyone listening, uh, I'm not going to say that I hope the new year brings you what you want, because I believe you have to take action and go out and get what you want. So to you guys and to everyone out there, and myself too, uh, I hope we all go out and get what we want this year and take action and not be flat squirrels. Keep punching. Just Yeah. Well, that's the tagline for the other show, but, but it, it applies. It's very true. <laughs> but once again, to you guys, to everyone listening, happy new year. We'll be back for season four in the spring. Until then, Don't be a flat squirrel. A Crisis is Coming, Crisis on Infinite podcast, that is. As you know, last season I hosted a second podcast series called Flat Squirrel Tales Beyond My Comic Shop. Moving forward, that series will live on as a sub-series of My Comic Shop History. What that means is that you only need to be subscribed to one podcast series from Flat Squirrel Productions moving forward, and that is My Comic Shop History. And when episodes of Beyond My Comic Shop or My Comic Shop Book Club are published, they will be published under the My Comic Shop History feed and labeled as episodes of those respective subseries, all in an effort to keep everything as simple and streamlined as possible for everyone. 
uh, over the coming weeks, I am going to be reposting select episodes from Flat Squirrel Tales uh, under the My Comic Shop History feed. So if you missed out on any of those episodes, you'll have the opportunity to catch up over these coming weeks. On that note, uh, one of my guests from the New Year's special, Bill Mayo, uh, he appeared on Flat Squirrel Tales uh, this past season. Uh, and we talked about a couple of lost tales from AR Lore, uh, the stories of the Rabbi Collection and the Other Steve. Uh, as a bonus to this New Year's special, I'm going to include those segments right now. So if you missed out on them the first time around, I hope you enjoy the tales of the Rabbi Collection and the Other Steve. Enjoy. There was one story in particular that I've always heard. I don't know that I've even heard the full version, but I, I at least know the name of it, the Rabbi Collection. And I don't think that we, we ever got to that, or at least if we did, it didn't make it into the episode. Would you mind uh, filling me in on that one? Sure. And, and, and I'll talk as much as I can about it. Um, and there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge um, or my, my memory of the story. Uh, but as I remember it, I was working at the store at the time. And actually, you know what it was? It wasn't I was working at the store. I was actually in graduate school at Baltimore. And uh, Steve had just taken in this collection. A rabbi had walked through the door and he had put together a Microsoft Word sheet. Uh, I think he had told Steve, I have a lot of comic books for sale. And uh, Steve might have said, make a list. And he did. And he went and made this list. And it was almost unbelievable in terms of what was in there. And it was major Silver Age runs of Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. I think it was mostly Marvel, if not only exclusively Marvel. But you know, if this collection was real, it would have been a great collection. And it was. It was a real collection. And so I guess the rabbi came back. They, they must have had a price in mind. And uh, Steve bought these books. And I was coming up for the weekend to see the collection. And I got to see the collection. The collection was amazing. It was, it was beautiful, uh, single-owner collection books. This, this rabbi had owned them his entire life. And uh, they were all in long boxes. They were unbagged. And um, we had made plans. I had made plans with Rich Roney, who was another a friend of the store. And he was going to come and uh, help me go through them and bag them. And we we're going to go pricing them. We were going to have a great time. So I remember him calling me up and, you know, he was very excited about it. There were a couple of customers, too, who were also very excited about this collection. One of them, his name was Arnie Sawyer. And Arnie Sawyer was a very big Silver Age comic book collector. And so he was interested in the collection, but Steve had not let anybody see the collection. So he was showing people the the list of the books. He had the books on hand, but he wasn't showing anybody the books. So they were, I, where were they, though? They were in the store. In the, okay. They were in the store, but you know like how he has the don't touch these boxes, dumbass kind of thing? Yeah, usually that didn't apply to the to the employees. But Well, so I got to see the collection. Oh, okay. So I was, I was allowed to see the collection, but a lot of the customers weren't. Um, and so, you know, again, we were up for the weekend. Rich was going to come and help me. But then all of a sudden, a guy walks into the store, and I don't remember where this guy was from, but he was a comic book uh, uh, retailer, and he had asked Steve if he had any Silver Age books for sale, and sure enough, you know, Steve produces this list, I have this collection, and the guy's, well, what do you want for all of it? And uh, I don't think that was something that Steve was prepared to hear, and somehow this guy and Steve made an arrangement where the guy bought the entire collection on the spot, and so he got this, obviously he got to see the books. And he, you know, I helped him load them in, into the car. A couple of things happened after that. Uh, one, I had to call Rich. And Rich was very devastated that all of a sudden he was kind of making plans to get in on the weekend to go these, through these books. I'm like, I'm, Rich, I got some bad news. We don't have these books anymore. But one of the really bad things was, uh, again, this guy Arnie Sawyer's reaction. Now, Arnie was a good friend of Steve's. And uh, him and Steve had it out over this collection. And he was kind of... Uh, uh, beside himself that Steve would sell this collection from under him without letting anybody have a crack at it, longtime customers, things like that. 
and Steve got physically ill over this. And Steve went into the back room and he just sat in his chair. And I don't remember who else was there with me. It might've been Drew, but Steve's stomach ballooned up. He was like in this nervous reaction. That's the part of this that I remember. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was waiting for that. He literally had like a nervous reaction to, I guess, Arnie's reaction to him selling these books. Um, and it took a little bit of time for him to kind of relax, but... But was Steve, was he angry? Did he feel bad? Like, what was going on? Do you know? I think, I think Steve in his mind at first did a great thing. You know, he sold these books and it's fine. That was the goal of taking in collections anyway. But I guess he was not prepared for Arnie's reaction to the whole uh, sale. This is fascinating to me. So I, again, I didn't know every, you know, every wrinkle of the story and then this was certainly before my time, but... It's it's so funny. And again, listeners, if, if you heard the first season of the podcast, Steve you... literally blew up like his like his body like expanded like I don't know how to describe it uh, like a nervous pregnancy kind of thing. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to Steve. Oh, I, might, I, I should also point out he did not make it a tremendous profit off this the sale of this collection. He, he got did his not. purchase price back and then there was an X percentage on top of it that he would have made a lot more money had he sold those things individually. Okay, so I was going to ask yeah. about that. But it, yeah, yeah. it's just funny because, you know, again, we always took issue with the fact that oftentimes when he would buy a collection, it would sit for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't get put out onto the floor for sale because, it, you know, he, he wanted to go through it. He wanted to, to right. save it, right? In some cases for years. He had the Batman collection, for example. Right. Where he would put, this is the $5,000 Batman collection, and you weren't even allowed to touch a book in that collection yeah, until and, he went through it. And so we always wanted to see things turned over faster. Like mm -hmm. if he bought a collection, we wanted it processed and put out so Again, customers goal, could get a crack at it. The goal of, of doing this. And I find it so funny that in this story, it's like the extreme opposite where like he, he flips it so quickly. It, it, it made no sense that it, it was very, it was unlike any of his other... It's very unlike Steve. I mean, mm -hmm. is there any anything that you can point to that would account for why he would make that decision? Because it, it's, I it's think this very guy out was, of character. This guy was a very good salesman himself, the guy who bought the collection. Uh, there was a sense of urgency. The guy was in town visiting, um, and I think he put kind of pressure on Steve. He's like, if you want to sell these books, I will take them all, but it has to be like right now. And I think that's kind of what uh, wound up, wound up uh, pushing Steve. I think the guy, I want to say, that I, I have a Froggy associated with this guy. Um, it might be Froggy's comics, Froggy something. So if listeners out there want to go search this guy. He also called it the Rabbi Collection when he put it up for sale. He had a, uh, an internet-based comic book store. Uh, I want to say it's called Froggy's Comics. You can ask Rich Roney. He would, he would remember. The Rabbi Collection. Now, I mean, taking, because, I mean, you were interested in going through some of these books yourself, correct? Oh, at that time, I was preparing to, I was trying to, to fill out a run of Fantastic Four. My goal was to have Fantastic Four 1 to 100. And a lot of those issues were in this collection. And, and you know, just like the next guy who works at a comic book store, I love just to be around old Silver Age books. And so to go through them, to bag them, to, you know, just to hold them, uh, I was looking forward to. But so, like, taking your, your self-interest, your selfish interest out of it, mm -hmm. I mean, do you think it was the right call for, for him to make for the store? I mean, he was able to, I mean, flip it quickly, at least make some money. But on the other hand, it's like, I mean, one of the one of the reasons I think you buy a collection is, you know, it's of interest to your customers. It's something new for them oh, to it, see. Th that would have been a beautiful collection to have out in the store. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, do you think it was the right call? I'm not going to weigh in on that, but okay. I think you can read through the lines on, on how I feel about it. It's, um, it I'm really fascinated by this because I, I do feel like it's wildly out of character for Steve. I don't know. Maybe he was just living the don't be a flat squirrel yeah, saying. For once. 
I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna take Steve's side on this one. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm gonna say he was he was you just know, not and hesitating. It, and it comes down to space. Also, it was a big collection. There was a lot of books, uh, a lot of boxes, and you know, somebody's there with with money in hand. Um, but the so the but the physical reaction is interesting. The physical reaction was very so, interesting. So his stomach ballooned. I, he was sitting in the back room. Yeah, and I remember vividly. I for some reason, I had the wherewithal to take the list of books out of the store. Because it seemed like the entire situation was getting Steve upset. Because I think Arnie was going through the list. He's like, look at this book. Look at this book. You got rid of all these books for this price. And so I just had it at, at some point, I took the entire list and just removed it from the store. I told Steve I threw it out. I still have it somewhere. And if I can find it, I will scan it and give it to you so you can post it online somewhere. That'd be amazing. Uh, but the rabbi collection lives on in that list. And Steve and that customer, did they, uh, they patch things up? You know, I saw Arnie infrequently um, as it is. Um, and then after that, I don't remember because again, I was in I was in uh, graduate school by that time, so I wasn't a, fr- a frequent uh, employee anymore. The Rabbi Collection. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, a, a, uh, a lost tale from yeah. AR Lore. There it is. Now you know we always talk about Steve, and of course we're referring to Steve Odo, who was the uh, the most prominent owner in in AR's history. Even though he uh, you know he had other owners at, at various point co owners at various points, and he himself even left at at a, at a period, but. <laughs> You know, for the most part, Steve was the, uh, the the constant in in the store's history. But there's actually another Steve, Steve Chin, who briefly co-owned the store with Odo. And, you know, we've kind of alluded to him a little bit on the show, but never really uh, explored that period of AR history. And you were working there during that time, correct? That's right. <clears throat> so how did Steve Chin enter the picture here? And so um, if my memory serves me correctly, and I, I think it does, um, it was right after Steve had bought out the the other owners, and so at that point, Brandon, Drew, uh, and Prem and Metalhead uh, had all been investors in the store, um, and really, uh, I think uh, it got to the point where Steve had had uh, at one point bought or was bought out by those guys, and then he bought back in, and then he systematically bought everybody out, more or less, and then. For whatever reason, he decided to take on Steve Chin uh, as a as a potential co-owner, and this lasted only for a short period of time. Now, Steve had owned a comic book. Steve Chin had owned a comic book store uh, already, and so he was kind of like, "I'm hiring an owner who has experience." But it was very evident very quickly that Steve Chin almost knew nothing about the comic book industry, and what he loved to do was sit behind the counter and read comic books. And the guy would, would be notorious for when you walked in, he'd be reading a comic book or he would have a comic book that was open and it was underneath the register. Because just like a kid being reprimanded, Steve Odo used to come into the store, Steve, see Steve Chin behind the counter reading a comic book and yell at him. It's like, well, you're not doing anything. And so he would have to like hide his comic book underneath the, uh, the register as he was reading it. So he was a very strange guy. He also, uh, and again, I worked there at the time, I was running magic tournaments. It was frustrating to use the same register as Steve Chin because he would be very famous for taking a $5 bill and put it in the $1 bill air, you know, area. And, and so he would always mix and match the bills. He would just take your money and throw it in the drawer kind of thing. And so if you were to use the same register, it was very difficult with change. You always had to make sure you were giving somebody the right change. Right. How um, difficult is it to, to keep that you straight? Know, and then and it would drive Steve crazy because, you know, Steve is always like the same direction for his bills. Yes. And now all of a sudden, you know, you have a five in the one area. And that, that, 
Yeah, forget about your bills facing the right way. I mean, you, you know. So he couldn't, you know, I mean, he was unreliable on a lot of different things. Wait, how did, how did Odo find him in the first place? You know, I think they had been friends or they knew each other. Um, I don't I don't remember that part. That's something we can ask Steve. Um, but so so Steve Chin buys into the store. Do you know, was it a 50-50 thing or was Odo still the I'm pretty sure majority? it was a 50-50 thing. And then, wow. he, and then he bought out Steve Chin. Yeah, they were like the co-owners. They had made their decisions. And if, if you didn't see Steve Odo there, it would be Steve Chin. Right. And how, and how, cause I was a, so I was a customer during this period of time. Cause I remember Steve Chin. I never, I can't say I had any, you know, particularly well, memorable yeah, but you, encounters, but yeah, definitely work was fine. Yeah. He, he just wasn't one of the, uh, he wasn't one of us. That's for sure. Right. He was a nine to fiver. And we're talking like a year here. Like how long did this it was, last? It was probably about a year or less. Yeah. I think it was evident to everybody that he just didn't fit. You yeah. know, you talk about the community all the time. He definitely never wanted a part of that. As I understand it, like he he fired the existing staff, correct? He, I got fired during that for a very brief uh, time frame. My brother was fired also, and he never got hired back. Uh, at that time, I was running the Magic Tournament, and so I think they brought me back out of necessity. They, Steve Chin convinced Steve Odo that he would be able to run it, but then it was quickly uh, clear that he was not able to do the Magic Tournaments. So I was brought on uh, initially just to work on Fridays, and then I think I was exp- expanded again. I worked on Wednesdays and maybe some other days as well. Did Steve Chin institute any other new store policies for customers or staff? You know, I would like to say things changed under him. At one point, and I'm, and I'm, I'm 99%, so, and it is, it is. Steve Chin, when he came into the store, he cleaned the bathroom, and he took out everything that was originally in the bathroom. Um, oh, really? And he, it, was like, it was almost like, you know, the new uh, owner is in town, and things are going to change. I mean, because we've touched on this before. I mean, the the alternate realities bathroom in the back room was a yeah, treasure yeah. treasure trove. No, it was different before Steve Chin, though. Wow! And so it was a completely different series of things. Somebody had changed it. I'm pretty sure it was Steve Chin. It wouldn't be anybody else. Okay, so everything that I saw by the time I started working there came. Yeah, it was like second generation. That's right. Second. Wall art. And, and again, it's nothing that uh, that a lot more personal stuff came after that. A lot of the stuff before was just goofy stuff that was cut out of magazines and things like that. I mean, during that time, again, going back to that, you know, the friendship and fun and community yeah. and, it and died. that piece It of died it. there for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was going to ask, did it, it really happen did. without him or it just well, didn't happen at all? I think there was just a bad buzz um, when he had taken over. And I think everybody was just against this. And so there really wasn't a lot of the hanging around aspect uh, during that brief period. And, and again, I don't think it was a full year. It was shorter. Yeah. Two years after it closed, still learning new things about this place. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. Thanks for listening. And once again, Happy New Year.